the last few weeks. A couple of comments to make. Firstly, that we are streaming uh, uh, live online to YouTube, uh, Facebook, onto Radio Kingfisher FM, and also into our church in Jeffreys Bay this morning. So could you please say hello to everybody and good morning, Jeffreys Bay. Just one North End comment to make, uh, the building facility we're in now. Uh, you can't see it now, but and don't look now, but maybe on your way out, on your way out, uh, in the corner on my right are boxes, are empty boxes of air conditioners. And they have begun installing hot and cold air conditioners in the kids' church section. And then in the main auditorium, a monstrous machine with ducting across the whole building over the next five weeks. So we... <laughs> How great are your works, oh Lord? Okay. Uh, <laughs> I thought that that would be worth mentioning. We start a new series today, both morning and evening, and I've titled it Spiritual Skills Everybody Should Seek. Spiritual Skills Everybody Should Seek. I always admire people who are really good at something. And then I often, I must admit, smile or laugh at people who aren't great at something, but at least try. And then there are those people whose perspective of their skill is greater than their skill. Have you ever, ever met someone like that? They think they're good, but maybe not. Now, I don't, you don't need to uh, nominate anybody in each category sitting next to you. But I have great admiration for people who can do something, especially if I can't. Musicians are a good example of that. I just can't. I've tried. I know I can't. Jesus gave me other abilities. But when I watch musicians at work, I am amazed at what they can do. Amen. And we have some of the best. Uh, and um, I want to honour and acknowledge that Melissa led that last song as good or better than on the album. <laughs> but part of life is not just the acquiring of resources uh, like Cherise shared. Part of life isn't just having stuff. Part of life is becoming somebody and also learning to unpack all of your potential discovering all of who God created you to be. The truth, though, is that spiritual skills are not given only to special people and that the rest of us should admire spiritual skills from a distance. Every person in this room has a spiritual trigger somewhere in your life that when you trigger it, you are everything God intended for you to be. And to just admire spiritual skills amongst those who you think are really committed and never discover them yourself is really to miss out on the whole point and journey of life. I mean, you can go travel and see things. Also, you can discover things by taking a journey with God and see even more things with your own eyes than you can see by traveling somewhere. Some people stay in the same seat, but they travel far in life, and others stay in the same seat and go nowhere in life. Your willingness to move yourself forward spiritually is hugely important. Amen? And every one of us must be willing to do that. 
Part of my conversation today, I guess, is to confront something I'm noticing both in myself, in the church in general, and in the world. And that is a general spirit of sleepiness. Now, not because maybe you already have had enough of me and I've only been up here five minutes and you're feeling a little drowsy, but sleepiness in the sense that things are diminishing while you're sleeping. There is a temptation to settle or cap at a certain point and say, well, I'm happy with that. That's the highlight. I felt that temptation. I started reminiscing on the church before the pandemic and saying to myself, we had some great times as if we had done that, produced a couple of RG stories and a few photos for the album and signed off on that space in our lives. But you have to be careful that you don't fall asleep. Jesus said to his disciples, can you not watch and pray with me even another hour? You thought this was the worst moment, but it actually is going to turn out to be the best moment. If you're sleeping, you won't see it. And so many people, you know, sleeping in the scripture is not tiredness. Sleeping is something else in the Bible. You should do a study on sleep. When you've got time, okay, let me do the study and I'll tell you about it. Okay, so when you do it, I mean, sleep, plays a big role. I mean, Adam had a monumentally important sleep. Huge. Woke up the next day, lost some ribs, found a wife. In my opinion, a good trade-off. A good trade-off. Amen? Some of you are uncertain about the whole rib thing. It's quite a fascinating thing. You can go online and study it. The Hebrew, apparently, they tell me is that Adam, uh, God put Adam to sleep because God knew that if Adam is awake, he's going to get in, involved and he shouldn't. <laughs> you know, just back off. And the Bible, apparently, it's not just a rib, it's a side of. Uh, it was later translated more and more to that side or a side to become a rib. But a side of Adam was taken out and refined to be better and put into a package that was better and presented back to Adam to complete him again. Uh, he needed to be asleep for that. But then there were other kinds of, of sleep. When, when the disciples... Uh, we're sleeping at the Garden of Gethsemane or when uh, Paul the Apostle reminds us uh, not to slumber or sleep but to arise or when Isaiah the prophet says arise and shine for your light has come or when the psalmist says the Holy One of Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps the God who watches over you never sleeps. Amen? There's a temptation for in all of us to get drowsy on the things we should focus on. And yet God keeps reminding us, move your life forward. I've told this joke before or story about my two unruly pets, my two pit bulls. I think I mentioned a week or two ago, I just don't remember which service it was in. And it's not because I'm getting old, it's just a thing. But the one is weaker than the other and always wants the seat of prominence. The only way to get the seat of prominence, though, is to go bark at the window at nothing so that the one sitting gets up to go look at the nothing. And while she is working out what he was barking at, he slinkers past 
and go, I'll take a video and I'll post it. It's the most amazing. She, he does it with the full force of there, there is a terrorist at the gate. He rushes at the window. He slams up against it and barks aggressively. And then she comes. What are we biting? What are we killing today? What's for lunch today? And the two of them have a quick little bark and he watches her just when he thinks he's got her focused and she can't see a thing. She's wondering what's going on. He just slips away, comes, takes the seat of prominence. The principle for me out of that, the little life lesson, the little play unfolding here is watch out for the growling devil who barks at nothing to get your attention away. And then the seat of prominence is occupied by the wrong one. Watch out. Sleepiness isn't only drowsiness, it's misplaced focus. It's focusing on the thing you shouldn't be focusing on. I've seen this in counselling over the years. I've counselled marriages on the edge of, of, of the relationship. And I, I'm, not, I'm not really great at it, and you'll hear why now. I'm not great at it, so we've got better people, better people than me. I like to drive out demons, but other people like to walk with you. And people will say, you'll be counselling them, and they'll, and, and, and they'll be serious trouble in the relationship and you'll and you'll say to the guy how could you how or you'll say to the lady how could you and then they'll bring up something completely irrelevant they'll say well you know she she I asked her to close the door and she didn't close the door I I told I told him to clean the gap I'm like that's just barking at a window who's got the seat of prominence in your life we have to watch out. There's a lot of barking happening at the moment out there. One of the most powerful, well-known, easy stories in the Bible must surely be the David and Goliath story. Everyone probably knows it, whether you're a Bible believer or churchgoer or not. But it's a pity that the only part of the David and Goliath story we tend to remember is the part where David takes a sling with a stone and knocks Goliath out. Because in 1 Samuel chapter 17, there were a lot of decisions along the way that had to first be done, uh, taken successfully before he could score against the devil. In, in this case, we just make Goliath the devil. Decisions like what to say and what to do, what to wear and when to show up. And it would be an inappropriate look at the story, not to look at the wisdom that that story required. And my encouragement to you today is to learn the spiritual skill of godly wisdom. It's disappointing that Christians seem to be focused on only one question. Is it right or is it wrong? That's a lower grade question. Wait, am I insulting? And I say, is that an insult? That's a lower grade question. You need a higher grade life. A lower grade question is bluntly right or wrong. Lawyers ask that question. Police ask that question. Parliamentarians ask that question. Most of them get it wrong. <laughs> the true question to ask is, is it righteous? Is it godly? Is it God honoring? Is it spiritual? Is it healthy for me? Is it mature? Is it wise? There are lots of things that are not wrong, but they are not wise. 
Paul writes it in Corinthians like this. He says, you must be careful not to ask whether something is just good for you or whether it is right for you. Not all things, he says, that are permissible are beneficial. And we need to upgrade our thinking to asking not only whether it's right or wrong, but whether it's beneficial. Some of you are at home right now in PE, snuggled up under the blanket with your married partner by your side. I thought I'd throw that in for effect. (laughs) Did you pick up on my little attitude there? I had an attitude. It's a good attitude to have. And there's nothing wrong with it, but it may not be the most beneficial thing for you to do right now. And somewhere along the line, when people come to me and say, is it wrong wrong if I date somebody who's not a Christian? Is it wrong? Where in the Bible is it wrong? The question to ask is, is it righteous? Is it beneficial? Is it mature? Is it wise? How is it that we are looking for wise outcomes while making unwise decisions? 1 Samuel 17, from the Amplified Bible, you knew I'd eventually get to the verse. 1 Samuel 17, from the Amplified, Jesse said to David, his son, Jesse is David's dad, take for yourself, for your brothers, an ephah of this roasted grain, and then, it's amazing how many times the word 10 comes up here, 10 loaves of bread, and run quickly to the camp to your brothers. Also there, uh, take 10 cuts of cheese to the commander of the unit. See how your brothers are doing and bring back news of them. Now, uh, 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 they are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the Valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. I want to talk to you about wisdom, godly wisdom, in setting up this scene with David, Goliath and his brothers. David was not considered military enough to go to war. He was more of a shepherd. So he was out looking after the sheep. He was also the youngest and dad needed help. So he sent all the big brothers to go to war. He says to David, let's do the right thing here. Take some food to your brothers. Also some food to your commanders. That's a very interesting idea we'll talk about someday. But come back with news on how it's going. Here's where wisdom has to kick in. Because what David could have said is gone back home and said, they are being slaughtered. It's not going well. Saul doesn't know what to do. He's so stuck. He's giving away his daughter to the first guy who can kill the enemy. That's how frustrated he is. There's this guy, he gets up in the morning, he gets onto YouTube every morning and he just insults the God of the Israelites. But dad, it's not good, eh? You can be grateful that you're here out in the fields. He could have just tapped out and left it to somebody else. But you know what he did? He didn't even bother going home yet. He said, what can I do to help? What, what is going on here? Do you know, sometimes wisdom is showing up and recognizing that you are a solution. You are part of the transformation. You're a transformer, not a reporter of the state of things. I'll get you clapping at the end. I'm working on it. I'll get you there. There's a bit of revival there. 
There was wisdom needed along the way. David needed to know, what do I say about this situation? Can I get involved? Do I stay? Do I leave? Am I just Mr. Delivery? Or did my dad send me onto this field not knowing that I have a skill? I came here with a skill, not just a sandwich. Oh, that's so good. See, he knew enough about himself to know what this situation called for. He looked at Saul, he said, I don't know much about, I've never worn an, a suit of armour. I can't help you there. But I'll tell you what I've got. I honed a skill out on the field. It doesn't take much, it's a couple of stones. I was thinking about this yesterday while I was preparing because I've honed this skill myself. But I do want to tell you that in this story, no animals are harmed, but it comes close. (laughs) I have a lovely home. It's painted black. Please Google it. And, well, it's a good idea. But Hardy does. Those of you international uh, guests on on YouTube, those are ibis birds. The ibis is a big, loud strange bird with a scream of a cry. I have questions about creation when I see the Lord. But when they sit on the roof, I don't like it. Thanks for that laugh. It was a little evil. I don't like it because, uh, because the evidence of their presence is left on my black roof. And my two dogs don't like it. And they get angry And like many uh, Christians, they get angry at something they can't change, so they bite each other. (laughs) You came for that sermon, some of you. You came for that sermon. And when you're in the car and you're biting your spouse for no good reason, you must just know it's because of hardy dars in your head. So now I have a little thing of stones. I'm not even joking. I'm unashamed. Take photos, post them. I'm unashamed. And I aim. I don't aim to get near them. I aim for them. (laughs) I'm just going to put it out there. I aim for them. And you know what's funny? I'm convinced like the orcas that are destroying the boats in the Mediterranean, they talk amongst themselves and now there's four, five, six of them. There was just one. (laughs) But one day I'm convinced there will be hardy dust too. But the point being, (laughs) David said, you know what? While I'm sitting on the field, I've learned about an enemy. The bear came. And I dealt with that. And the foxes come and I dealt with that. And even when I was a little bored, I'd aim at something in the distance and I'd get the sling out and a couple of stones. Look, I don't know everything about everything, but what I know, I know well. Put me on the field. I've got a skill that will sort this serpent out for you like this. You know, we Christians need some skills. You've got to know how to pray. A complete sentence other than, thank you, Lord, for giving us food. Like, you've got to take it up a grade. Was that too much? I nearly did it with the Superman theme ringing in my background. 
in the background. David, uh, the story of his success starts with wisdom. Psalm 78 uh, verse 71 says, For David, tending the sheep, he brought him to be the shepherd of his people Jacob and of Israel, his inheritance. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart, with skillful hands, he led them. There were two things about David that was very powerful about that psalm. The first is that David had a good heart, but he had a skillful hand. And having a good heart is not enough. It's not enough. Do you know how many people I look at and think, shame, they've got such a good heart. But their lives are sabotaged. They've got a good heart. But now you've got to get a skillful hand. You've got to know how to use a weapon. You've got to know how to fight a fight. You've got to pick up some guerrilla warfare techniques. A good heart is not enough. It's a good start, but it's not enough. You can't just marry somebody who's got a good heart. They've got to have a skill. And you can't win against your enemy if you've got a good heart. You need a skill, a spiritual skill. D D David became king not just because he, had a, he was a lovely person, but he was a good man with a godly ability. And the two are going to have to come together. You know, we need people in the world, politicians with a good heart and some skills. We need preachers with a good heart and some skills. I tell preachers like this all the time. People email me, hey, what do you think I should do to become a good preacher? I've been watching YouTube videos and, you know, I want to be like Stephen Furtick or whatever. This is what I tell them. Learn skills. Read the Bible out loud to yourself. Punctuation should never surprise you when you're preaching. You know how many preachers have I listened to and I think you never read that out loud before because that comma just caught you completely off guard. You should have known that comma was there last week already. <laughs> Can we have an amen? Is the spirit of humor here today? I'm not sure why. Is that a spirit? I don't know. You've got to learn a skill. A good heart's not enough. I mean, it's, a good, I mean, it's, a, it's essential. Like you can't swap the one out for the other. If you have only a good skill and no heart, they become callous. You apply things, but cruelly. And that's not how it works. Ephesians 5. Let me jump into the New Testament for a bit. Ephesians 5 says this. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. This passage of Scripture is part of a, a basket of Scriptures that reminds us that we are born again when we received Christ, but that doesn't mean we're awake. It means we're saved, but not awake. What's that saying that's been overused? Um, it's not a biblical one, so I, um, it's Confucius. Uh, 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 Confucian, Confucius said, everybody uh, has two lives. 
The second one starts when they realize they only have one. Now, it's just abusing scripture, but what it's really saying is, once you're born again, true life begins. But I still have to wake up from my sleep. I'm saved, but there's a risk of being sleepy in my salvation. I have to wake up to it, and I have to rise to it. And this morning, I really... You know, if in the nicest possible way, with all the humor I could muster today, wake up. Because if we don't, um, the barking dogs and the laughing hardy dogs will steal from us. You have to be awake. You have to have wisdom. You have to say, oh, well, that's not righteous. Don't do that. You'll be stealing from my spirit, if you do that. It's beyond being uh, acceptable. It's being beneficial. And the call, I think, to the spiritual skills we need to cultivate include the skill of godly wisdom. Now, you're going to discover when you want to have godly wisdom that it's going to contradict worldly wisdom. It's also going to contradict logic. So if you choose to build your life on logic, then righteousness is going to be difficult for you to, to get a hold of. Because the Bible says, for example, that if a man wants to go up, he must humble himself and go down. And logic's going to say, well, that doesn't make sense. Generosity is going to say, give to gain. But worldly uh, wisdom or logic says, keep. Uh, uh, worldly uh, wisdom uh, says you have a right. You were done wrong. It's your right to fight back. It's your right. But uh, godly wisdom says I surrender my right through forgiveness, releasing, forgiving, walking away. That's tough. The spirit of this world is telling us to bark at the empty window. And I want to encourage you not to fall for it. So, so I thought maybe, how, how are we doing on time? I haven't said that in a little few weeks, eh? Feel good. Three pathways to wisdom. I want to extract three ideas on how to build wisdom, uh, the, the skill of wisdom. A spiritual skill of wisdom. So your good heart can be matched with the skillful hands. The first uh, idea I, I want to take, and it comes out of David, it comes out of perhaps many more stories in Scripture than I have time to share with you. And that is that wisdom is released by taking a risk. You know, uh, it's not possible to be wise without risk. If you're going to become spiritually wise, you're going to have to take a risk. I'm going to have to trust God with my, my finances and take a risk. I am going to have to forgive somebody and risk being hurt again. I, I am, I'm going to have to start something and risk it going wrong and putting everything into it and hope for the best. I am going to have to draw a line and risk being embarrassed or ridiculed by my friends. 
I'm going to have to say no when everybody else is saying no and risk having no friends. Just be careful though. Sometimes it, it's not a, the, the loss you think, it's not as big a loss as you think it is. Some friends need to move along so that, so that friends that stick closer than a brother can move in. Some people are just placeholders and we love them for the season that they're in. But once they can't go where you're going, you've got to shake hands and say, let's go. Uh, uh, you know, uh, you, you're going to have to risk being lonely, risk being embarrassed, risk being a little behind in the eyes of the world on some things. You have to be, you're going to have to risk... Uh, being cancelled, you're going to have to risk being shamed. Uh, but you might just become wiser in that process. And let me tell you what life will teach you. Hold on to your godly wisdom tightly. Because the ones that in this generation shamed you will in the next decade seek your advice. They'll seek your advice. And having righteous wisdom requires risk-taking. I think it's so important that we figure that out. 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 33 uh, is well known, uh, but verse 34 is the point of my message uh, today. Do not be deceived, bad company corrupts good morals. But verse 34, be sober-minded, be sensible, wake up from your spiritual stupor. It's hectic, eh? I chose it especially. It's from the Amplified. It's got all the spices. It's, got, it's like the five spice version of the Bible. It's got all the spices in there. Do you know what it's saying? Just put the two verses together like they were written. The first one is, bad company corrupts good morals. The second one is, bad company comes subtly. Wake up, wake up, wake up. What's happening? In your sleep, your, your, your surroundings changed. <laughs> Nobody's going to come to you and say, hey, hi, my name is George and I'm bad company. <laughs> Just like to involve myself in your life in some kind of inappropriate way. <laughs> Please follow me and like me everywhere. Nobody does that. Nobody's profile is bad company, I shall corrupt. Like, nobody does that. But sleep a little, slumber a little, and watch what happens. The, 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 the vultures circle. It takes wisdom to say, well, I just need to draw a line there. That's not okay. I need to draw a line. We, uh, we, uh, we need to draw a line. The world uh, put us in lockdown, and then the devil used that to make us sleepy. And we need to come up out of our sleep and pitch up on a field with a screaming uh, Goliath and say, I've got a good heart, but I've got a skillful hand. And I will fight. Um, I can't remember the verse right now. If Vince was here, he would tell me because he's like an encyclopedia. There is a verse in Scripture. I'll, I'll, next week, come next week and I'll, I'll share it for free. I'll have it for free. 
where the children of Israel are complaining to God, why didn't you kill all the enemies in the promised land that we didn't have to fight them? And God answered and said, I left some enemies so that you would learn the skill of warfare. Because if I did it all for you, you would get drowsy and sleepy and you would have no skills and you need skills. Need skills. Wisdom's going to take some risk taking. We have to take some risks. We, we, might need to, we might need to step out in faith in brave ways so that God would move in mighty ways. And then, and then wisdom is a sharpened skill. That's why the Bible says, I'll tell you what I mean now. That's what the Bible says, in a multitude of counselors there is wisdom. As iron sharpens iron. You know, if you're the only person in your circle who thinks it's wise, two things I want to say to you. Either it is not wise or you're in the wrong circle. It's one of those things. Oh man, I tell you, when I, 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 got, I got to, I turned 50 a couple of minutes ago. <laughs> I said to this friend, I said, you know what, I, you know what, the first half of my adult life, I was a preacher. I loved that. I just, I think the second half of my adult life, I should focus on something else. And two or three people in my circle said, you could. It's not wise. But it's allowed. I mean, if you want permission, go for it. But if you want wisdom, that's not right. You might have to change it. I don't know. You know by circle, I mean some space other than your church. You're definitely in the right circle. Here, this is, this is the one. Do you know what I've noticed about circles? We change them based on our principles. I've noticed that. All the divorced people hang out together. All the angry people hang out together. All the single people hang together. All the people with, you know, two kids hanging out together. All the people, all the atheists, all the... Did I say too much? I'm just going to move on while it's still good. It's been a good morning. Let's just wrap it up. And 2 Corinthians 8, but just as you excel in everything and lead the way in faith and speech and knowledge and genuine concern and in your love for us, see to it that you excel in this generous work also. I wanted to focus on how many times the word excel is used in the Bible. Excel means to become excellent. That's where it comes from. To become excellent at something. I think excellence is important. Something that bothers me immensely. I know suddenly excellence has been turned into a medical condition. So if you're excellent, suddenly you've got an OCD. Like I think everybody's just branding themselves OCD, roaming around, baptizing themselves in the name of OCD. An OCD person has got a serious condition, like they're dysfunctionally serious. Just being excellent is not a medical condition. Building in a straight line is the least I expect 
of building a wall. I, I don't think it's a medical condition. I, I really don't. I think picking up rubbish as you walk past it does not require a word from the Lord and two signs and a confirmation. It's just the act of excellence. And our city and our country and the kingdom of God, uh, the saints, we need to excel. We need to excel because it's a skill. And I irritate everyone. I tell people at the beginning when they build something at my house, I tell them, I'm one of those guys with one sharp eye. And very soon they know what I mean. I stand next to a pillar and I see if it lines up with the other pillar. <laughs> that one doesn't line up so good. Don't go home. I line things up like that. Oh, it irritates the builders. They've been working all day. I don't care. You got to. So you know, um, the best way to tell if a stick is crooked. Uh, um, um, uh, Charles Spurgeon once preached this. It's not even my idea. You know, he said, "Don't spend your time describing how crooked a stick is. Put a straight stick next to it, and the work is done." Don't complain about how crazy the world is. Just line it up with some Bible verses. <laughs> looks straight to me. You've got to excel. It's not okay. If you think that I'm going to be happy with life by keeping my eyes mostly closed so I can't see what's happening, then that is not an acceptable way of being happy. He came to open the blind eyes. Okay, one last thing and then like I've got to... So, so I think I'm on my last point if that's important, Mark. Wisdom comes from kindness. Um, I, I'm, I'm cautious here because this is very important. Being wise does not mean being harsh. Because uh, some Christians use their, um, their wisdom to be forceful. Now, <clears throat> that's not wise. I mean, why don't the Bible just say it for itself? Titus 3, verse 3. At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures, all of us. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the what? Kindness and love of God our Savior appeared. He saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, because of His mercy. You don't save anybody by being merciless. And you don't save anybody by being unkind. It is the kindness of God, the mercy of God, the love of God that saved us. And it is the kindness of the church, the mercy of the church, the love of the church that's going to change the world. Is that a clappable moment from somewhere? I have one more verse. <clears throat> Proverbs 10. About what's happening in the world today, I thought it was very powerful. Engaging in evil... Is like sport to the fool who refuses wisdom and just chases sin. But to a man of skillful understanding, 
and wisdom that brings joy. That brings joy. As we um, follow this journey uh, of um, getting, some, getting some skills we all need, I hope your skills are not only academic, I hope your skills are not only physical, hand-eye coordination and sporting, I hope your skills aren't only communication, your ability there. I hope that some of the most powerful skills you're learning are spiritual skills. And I want to ask you to start your journey by seeking wisdom. To wrap up, wisdom is described in the Bible as like having a good wife. In fact, I nearly titled this message, He That Finds a Wife Finds a Good Thing. There's a child either in full agreement or in full disagreement there. Uh, Proverbs describes uh, wisdom like a wife, the partner with you in every decision that helps you be better. I want to encourage you to seek wisdom. Can you say amen to that? Would you please stand with me? I've invited Nikki uh, back. Yolanda's with her. I thought it would be good if we prayed for our kids' church team for Holiday Club starting Monday. It's a great way to reach unchurched people, and I hope you'll think about that being one of the ways of doing it. And then we'll pray a prayer together. So would you guys come on up? Uh, let me tell you, it is looking so good at the back there. Um, what's the movie? I don't have kids. Inside Out. Oh, Inside Out. There are various... Should I watch it again? I have watched it, and, but I didn't cry as much as Vincent cried. I mean, it was shameful how much Vincent was crying. But they all these feelings, and I think they're, they're little, little stickers and, and cartoon prints, and you can go and stand and act out the feeling and get a photo, make it a thing, but reach your neighbor. Can you say amen to that? Reach your neighbor. I just wanted to pray for you guys, and then we're going to pray about this thing of spiritual skills. Um, Mike, don't you want to, as the pastor on site here, I want to jump up here. I mean, Charisse, you want to you join us too? Is that okay? Um, no, Vince is on sabbatical, but... Oh, next best thing. Will you... <laughs> he, he finds a wife. <laughs> We've got the good thing and he's at home. <laughs> well, let's just pray for you guys. Um, and, uh, and, and believe for this week. Lord, thank you for the, the wisdom of raising up a child in the way of the Lord. We thank you for your promise that encourages us that if we do so, even as they mature, they don't depart from that anchor. Lord, we pray for anchoring moments this week, Monday to Friday, for our volunteers, our teachers and team, the parents, those who will come onto these premises that have never been here. We pray, Lord, that it'll be an encounter of grace, an encounter of mercy, an encounter of salvation. We pray, Lord, that every need will be met, that every uh, lesson will be anointed, that every song will be powerful. We pray, Lord, for life change where it really matters in those formative years. We pray that Nikki will feel the authority, peace and presence and support of the work of the Spirit this coming week more so than ever. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Lord, will you please take us on a journey, set our hearts on pilgrimage, that we will be skillful with a good heart and a skillful hand. Will you give us godly wisdom, we pray, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, would you give God one last shout of praise?